Hey, welcome back to another episode of uh, Full Metal RPG. I am a host, I guess, Heather. <laughs> and I'm here with Brendan Carrion and Adam. What's up, guys? What's up, Heather? <laughs> Intro game on fleek, yo. <laughs> That's all I have to say to that. Nailed it. I know. Nailed it. First try. I it, mean, was, you, it was great. You only, you only kind of paused at the title of the show. And it's that's episode fifty nine. I was gonna say FMRPG, but that, that's like that's like the. <laughs> I mean, this show has only been on for like three years. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm still getting used to the title. <laughs> I, I, you know, hey. it's really it's really kind of a whip. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Could change at any moment. We got the new. We got the new blood, man. We're gonna we're gonna help him out. I mean, we kind of have changed the name of the show like sixteen times in a certain way. It's true because we did yeah. you know, we did those Shadow Sworn episodes that I put into a convenient playlist on SoundCloud. So that if somebody really wants to listen to all the Shadow Sworns, they can just go on Sound, SoundCloud and listen to them all in a row. Interestingly, those are some of our most listened to episodes. Those I guess. Really fun. People loved them. Yeah, yeah. Good I times. I like those episodes. I think they just love the Forever Night reviews. That's what they <laughs> Yeah, well, that was also very good. Anyway, take it away, Heather. What have you guys been playing lately? That is an excellent question. Brendan, what have you been playing lately? Well, okay, let's see. You know, I started off my uh, Void, The Void, and um, I've been, I've been kind of hard on The Void on Instagram, which is probably, like, not a good look. Uh, considering we run into wildfire at cons and you talk to Matt Grau and he's very friendly. He's always been very cool to us. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on my Instagram, I definitely did kind of slag the void off a little bit. I was kind of like, I don't know what what the fuck this thing is. Now that having been said, I've been, I, I started running it and it's a really great game. It's a really great game. And uh, I mean, I don't know that it's the best written game in the entire world. And I don't know that the source books are like going to change your life or nothing. But I'm just having so much fucking fun with that game. It's like the system is uh, very accessible in a certain way. Because if you know Shadowrun, if you know World of Darkness, that kind of thing. And um, it has a, a, a strong core idea and once you kind of get your head around that core idea, and then you're just kind of like, well, it's got some setting shit in here, but that's more that's more like suggestions. I'm really just going to do whatever I want anyway. I mean, I'm just having so much fun. My table seems to enjoy it as well. We did a, just a quick recap of episode one was, um, I did an intro where all the characters, we kind of met all the characters in their environments. And one of the things I like to do is I kind of like to kick that over to the players a little bit. Like, I'm kind of like, rather than saying like, oh, it's session one and you're all like in a bar, right? I kind of say like, oh, it's session one and I'll be, I'd be like, Heather, so your character's a ranger. Um, where, what do we find your character doing, right? Yeah. And then you'd have an opportunity to be like, oh, well, you know. I'm the warden of the forest, and so I'm probably, like, doing something related to that, like, solving a problem, and then I'd be like, oh, well, there's, like, a, a black bear that's gone carnivore, and it's hurt people, and you're, so you're probably hunting it. You're probably hunting it to protect people. And then a scene will come out of that. So I did, some, I did something like that for the first, uh, for the four players that we had, and um, <clears throat> very lucky, one of the guys who is in our... Um, Dead Zone campaign, Michael, he came and played with us for the first time. It was the first time I played with him. 
Uh, Adam and I actually met him back in the good old days of Shadow War Armageddon, the <laughs> now defunct Games Workshop game that Adam and I have subsequently purchased in two other iterations on two other occasions. Happens well, a lot. To be fair, it? we started with the original Kill Team. Yeah. Then we went to Shadow War Armageddon, which was dead on arrival. They yeah. never planned to support that. <laughs> they, did, they didn't. Then we bought Necromunda, and then we bought Kill Team, and then we bought Kill Team Rogue Crater, Yeah. which yeah. is basically not even Kill Team. It's like a board game that they slap Kill Team on to try and yeah, this is, trick people into buying it. And it worked. It worked. Yeah. Oh, it worked boy. great. <laughs> oh, did it ever work? They got my money. <laughs> Anyway, any hoosies. So um, it's really great role playing with Michael. He just jumped right in. Uh, sometimes my style of kind of being like of player agency, which didn't used to be a thing for me, but since we've been doing the podcast, I've been learning so much about indie gaming and stuff. Um, just being kind of like, hey, well, you player, what do you think is going on? What do you want to add to the world? I used to be so protective of my world building like i was like oh it's so special i'm just <laughs> such a smart guy no one's as smart as me they're not gonna do as well as me and now i think it's actually makes for much better games when people have some say you know and uh so we did that and that was great uh then we got into the sort of the meat of the story and the characters it was this you know i hate the i hate the quest giving scene but it was kind of a quest giving scene that it was like is it an investigative horror thing and so i feel like there needed to be some investigators and they were they brought the characters all in and they were like hey we need you to investigate this thing and it's it seems so mundane <laughs> <laughs> oh come help us investigate this seemingly banal crime and that's the premise, basically. Oh, it's on Mars because it's in space, so it's on the Mars. Oh, that's super cool. It's in, it's in, you know, I, and I'm I'm very excited for the story. I have a lot that I've written up for it, and um, as much as I've given, like, I'm going to say it again, as much as I've given the Void a hard time, I find interacting with the game very compelling. So <clears throat> we play again on Tuesday, and boy, I can't wait! Cannot wait! Nice. How about you guys? What are you guys want to? Oh, you played a game too, right? The oh club, geez, right? yeah. I played uh, <laughs> I played Apocalypse World for the first time with um, Richard Newby. Richard how, Newby how ran that. How did you find that? Uh, uh, how did I find Apocalypse World? Mm-hmm. I love I love it. Really? Okay. I I, feel <laughs> I had a bad experience <laughs> with it. So I fucking love it. I mean, here's the here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's what I'll say is okay. Game club gaming is its kind of own thing because we do the game club every other week and. Um, so that means that there's kind of a... I don't know. I think it's the way that we run the game club. I feel like if we were more kind of organized and disciplined about the way that we structured the game club and we were like, okay, these are the people that are running and they have blocks of campaigns that, you know, people might feel more invested in what's going on. But we've always kind of run the... Um, game club in the sort of like laissez-faire sort of like oh things will run until they don't run and people will show up until they don't show up and all this kind of stuff and so that leads to a kind of culture at the game club games that we do that's very kind of like i don't know i'm trying i'm not trying to be pejorative when i use the word wacky there's like some wacky gaming that goes on there's like some it's very kind of colorful wacky gaming that goes on guilty as charged. <laughs> <laughs> and um while that's not to my personal taste i would like i wouldn't run a home game like that it's fun in the in context of the gaming club and so uh the game that richard was doing was very wacky it was very it was a wacky post-apocalypse game and like i and i, I kind of know that it was going to be so i uh I made this like very postmodern grimdark character and my postmodern grimdark character kind of like, you know, 
shuffled out into the light of this kind of wacky game that was going on and i was like oh okay well i kind of i missed the mark here those are some of my favorite like characters though when you have those wacky kind of worlds and then they put that because i think like warren ellis does that a lot and and certain comic writers did a lot where they just put that like grimdark character into the wacky world and see how they interact with it and i i i'm a big fan as i'm sure you guys and the listeners know of um like two contrary things that you wouldn't think go together go together great Mm -hmm. um but uh you know not everybody sees it that way um and and here's here's the thing is is it's it's chemistry role playing is chemistry just like just like interpersonal relationships are chemistry and it's all about like what you're pouring into the beaker in what order and in what amounts and um the sort of like other players that were playing their characters were very flamboyant and like they had played a session or two previous to that and they had like a they had already just established kind of like this personal history and like a head canon and stuff and so it was just like my kind of like horror character showing up into what was essentially sort of like a cartoon. Like it just didn't really work. Um, and that's not on Richard and that's not on apocalypse world. And my experience of sitting there with the, with the character pamphlet and making the character and using the mechanics of the character were awesome. I fucking loved it. I would play apocalypse world any day of the week. Fucking love it. You know, I'd probably want like a little bit more of a guided understanding of what the goal of the game was, but fucking loved it anyway. Cool. What, what, when, when did you even play it? Oh, that it was years ago. Um, oh, that was the game that you played with like those guys, and then mm-hmm. there was the sex move and stuff, yeah. and you were like, and everybody was like trying to sex each other, yeah, and you were was like trying to sex move each other, and I was just like, all right, <laughs> That's it so was weird. We tried to turn it. Yeah, it was very weird and very off putting, <laughs> and it was like it was trying to be like run straightforward and it it was very yeah i it was an odd game and it was one of those things that put me off of it and then like a dungeon world i love which is yeah <laughs> and it's yeah. the same it's except they got rid of the sex move so it's uh, yeah i the wonder if i would like it more if i went back to it now i Probably. i don't i don't know if they even have the sex move anymore Honestly, oh, did they get I, rid of it? I mean, the thing is, is I can't really remember it. And I, don't, I don't remember seeing one on my character sheet. Like, I, I think that mechanic might have been like replaced with something else. Okay, because that, that was like big in the one that we were doing was the sex move. <laughs> Why? Like, it was, I don't, to be different, <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird when you got like a table of like me and my, you know. <laughs> Friends for high school, and we're all just like, "Oh, I'm gonna have we're, characters are gonna have sex now," <laughs> like, so that I can get a mechanical advantage against you later. And it's like, "All right, I mean, why? <laughs> well, I want this mechanical advantage." Okay, that's so weird. It was very bizarre. It was kind of off-putting, and that's why I was like, I wanted to know what your experience with it was like because my experience with it was very strange yeah. I didn't right, yeah. quite know how to grasp it <laughs> you had this look on your face like how did you like it and I was like thinking to myself I was like well it's apocalypse it's, it's just an apocalypse engine game and we talk about apocalypse engine all the time we played that we played that the hell out of that shit it was really I mean I don't know it was it was a little bit different than Dungeon World to be totally honest the baseline of it based on the way that the character sheets and everything are arranged feels darker and more gritty than like dungeon world does so right away when you you're going into it you feel kind of like oh yeah this is gonna be this like dark gritty thing it's gonna be cool cool as shit um and unlike unlike dungeon world which 
even just the character sheet feels kind of like whimsical the art is not particularly compelling or interesting i remember the really liking the art in apocalypse world yeah but yeah the um which is the opposite of dungeon world but i just didn't like the game whereas dungeon world i don't like the art but i like the game so interesting interesting anyway enough about me i could go on but how is your game coming along heather it's going pretty great i have um i'm thinking about starting it the second weekend of november like on saturday you didn't do your your survey i know i need to fill my survey out you both didn't do the survey i don't like those surveys just i mean here's the thing like okay so gms out there our buddy richard is a gm and he likes to use this tool it's an online tool What's doodle. It called? it's called doodle it's like this it's like it's like it's like parliamentary voting <laughs> yeah. for like what yeah. in your availability yeah. yeah and inevitably what happens is you get four out of the five people are available on a day and then the other ones are available on a different day but you've always got one person who's not available <laughs> on each day yeah i mean i i as a GM take a very strong hand when it comes to determining day. I say, this is the day that we're playing. This is the time. And then if you can't make it, you can't make it. I'll find somebody else to do the slot. Or I should do that. You know, I, but, but I don't like the way that role playing in like the contemporary era has become like this weirdly democratic process. I mean, like when we started, when Adam and I started, the GM was known for being like this, authoritarian figure i i had a the first gm i ever had would carry out acts of physical violence against us while we were playing such a strange person that yeah yeah Yeah, it was a little weird in retrospect i heard the stories about him he seemed like he was like super unhinged yeah well it was a strange time anyway um we just that's just how we kind of came into it and so as the years have gone by i've definitely seen like for instance probably the gm shouldn't hit you Right, I get <laughs> probably not. Like I get that, but <laughs> that gets an X card, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I X card you physically assaulting me. <laughs> but I still do feel like that part of the role of the GM is to be the strong center of the group who says this is when it happens, this is where it happens, is, and if you can't make it, you can't make it. Right, because without the GM, it doesn't happen. Yeah, so yeah. Th- their schedule ultimately is the final arbiter of when availability for the game is. That makes sense. So I'm going to do it, I guess. Like, not I guess, I'll, but I'll, for sure. So I'll get in and I'll put my times in. I, <laughs> I've been called out. So I'll do it. You don't we'll, have we'll, to. No, I need to. It's just I, I just haven't done it. I've been doing like 10 million other things. Okay, cool. Awesome. Sweet. And then um, I've just been working on like the plot, but I'm making it super um, vague, I guess, because I want everyone to like make it their own story as well as my story. That's the best part of role playing for me, I think, is like making the story, everyone makes the story together and what happens is what happens, you know? It seems pretty cool to me. So it's been hard to like think of like the first, would you call it like the first chapter? Is that what you said it was, like a chapter? I mean, that's one way of looking at it, yeah. So the first chapter, I'm still working on it and I'm trying to make it vague enough so you guys have input, but also structured enough so I know what I'm doing. (laughs) That is... That's perfect. It's hard. Pretty typical world of darkness. It's super yeah. hard to do. I mean, look, it's your first time doing it. Yeah. So it probably that 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 sensation of its difficulty is probably just the neural passageways being carved. Yeah. The more you do it, the more you'll be like, whatever. <laughs> you know. Yeah, if you're sandboxing it, a lot of the initial work is world building, and then 
laying a structure on top of that is the actual story slash campaign building. I might have done too many characters too, like too many factions and too many people. And does not no such thing. Do you think? Oh, there definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely done that before. Because like the best part is like making people and like putting their names in a weird name generator and like being like that's the guy that's like that's McDougal Douglas or what, whatever. <laughs> what's the name of that uh, name generator that you use? Oh, I forget. Oh, it's, it's it's like I looked up 20th century name generator and it's the first thing that we came need up. We need a name generator to generate names for this name generator. Yeah. <laughs> just look, just if you google that it's the first it's the first option. 20th century name generator. Well, cuz you were showing me some of the names that came out of it and they were like really fucking good. Yeah, like one I, I won't say what the names. Well, should I say a name that I'm using? That's up to you, man. Yeah. Because you Do guys are here. Spoil I don't want to spoil anything. Then Not really. Don't say it. I found a person and named, I've named, there's a name like Ruby Page. And I'm using that one because it seems pretty awesome. That's a good name. That's a good name. Right? <laughs> that's, that's a good name. You don't want the names to sound too artificial, but then you don't want them to sound too natural either. Mm-hmm. You know? If they sound like just like some schlub. Yeah. Then it's just like. That 14 takes away, John Smiths. <laughs> it, it, you know, it takes away from the, um, the kind of like romance of the story in a certain way but if it's like if everybody that you meet is like drake nightsteel then you're kind of like okay whatever where drake nightsteel where the fuck am i <laughs> on a porn set apparently celine. <laughs> yeah well <laughs> celine moonshine Ooh, nice wow <laughs> no <laughs> but yeah so that's what i've been doing i'm pretty i'm pretty excited for you guys to interact with my world that i'm making great cool. sounds good How about you adam you got bud I have been continuing to run a D&D game, and that has been very interesting. Uh, D&D hasn't really changed since I last left it. The types of players and the types of player <laughs> actions haven't really changed much since I left it. <laughs> that was so great. I am just willing to let people murder Hobo if they want to murder Hobo. Um, yeah, it was interesting. So they went to this this hideout where these this gang that's terrorizing this village that they're in. It's like this old decaying mansion. And they went inside and they found that they had taken like this family hostage. They killed the father. They took the mother and the children kept them in the dungeon. They got further and there was this monster they were keeping in the pit and they had like thrown the father's corpse into the pit with the monster. Is this from Fandelver? Or did you make this shit up? This is from Fandelver. Wow. That's really grim. It's really grim and that's dark. Grim yeah. And for so, like, wow. yeah, I played it up and, and so we only had three people who showed up. So there was no way they were going to be able to really fight this thing without it probably killing them, which I explained to them. I was like, you probably don't want to try to fight this thing. But there was there's like a magic sword down there with it. And they really <laughs> want this magic sword. Oh, I bet they did. And I was like, well, you can just come back when you have the full party in there. Like, no, we want it now. Oh, so we're going to negotiate with this monster. So then I've got to go, okay, well, if they're going to negotiate with the monster, like, what does the monster want and what do I have available to is, me? Is the monster, like, sentient and shit? Is it yeah, like it's a, a, it's a Nothic. So it's like a corrupted evil wizard. It's got, like, the big eye. It speaks psionically. It can, like, read your secrets and stuff. Um, oh, yeah. Probably want to negotiate with that probably guy. Probably want to negotiate <laughs> with it, right? So they go... But they so don't know. I'm, I'm looking and I'm thinking, you know, it's chaotic evil and I'm sitting because it's, like, been corrupted by Vecna. So I'm sitting there looking at what do I have available to me? What would this monster want? I know a couple things about it. Like it eats like obviously corpses and stuff. Um, What I have available is all of these like brigands and their corpses. And then there's that family back that's been captured by them. So I was like, well, what can I do? That will be the darkest possible thing that they just won't agree to do. So I had the monster tell them, bring me children. 
I'll go, oh, well, what do you want the children for? He's like, I want to eat them. Bring me children. <laughs> and so they go, great. We know where there's some children. Oh, my God. <laughs> they went and they got the kids. Oh, my God. And the mother. And they bring them to the pit and they shoved all of them in. Now, at this point, I, I did not expect that. And I even asked them before they did it, what are your alignments and how are you justifying this? They were neutral, neutral, and lawful neutral. So... <laughs> They managed to sit there and like try to explain this to me. I'm like, okay, if you really want to do it, go ahead. They shove them all in. And I said, the mother like begins screaming. She sees the corpse of her husband. Yeah. And this thing grabs her son and like bites him, you know, and starts devouring him alive. He's screaming. The daughter's screaming, clawing at the walls. And they're getting like uncomfortable at this point because I'm describing <laughs> the natural You didn't, outcome you didn't of have the actions. X card out, did you? I didn't have the X card out. And so, well, I didn't think I'd need it. It's Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> what they get for being like... So I had the monster throw the mother back up and go, I didn't ask you for this. <laughs> so then she begins like assaulting the characters, like screaming, crying, hysterically, like hitting them. So they're, they're like, well, can I charm her? And I'm like, she's not there anymore. You're not going to be able to charm her. So I was like, I, I break her neck. Oh my God. <laughs> so they snatch her neck. <laughs> And then I'm like, they're like, oh, we want the sword. And so I have them throw the sword to them. So they got their sword and they're like, we want to get out of here. So they leave and they're just like, that, that got like really dark and I'm not comfortable with that. And I was like, well, the, when the monster tells you to feed it children, say no. Like you don't <laughs> have to feed the children to the monster. That's like an So yeah, that was one of those cases where it's as a GM, I was presented with something I wasn't prepared for. I had to adapt on the fly and think of something and the players did something unexpected, right? And you have to roll with it when that happens and, and deal with it in a, a way that makes sense within the context of the world. Um, so yeah, they're going to have to do some soul searching as a party to figure out like what kind of party they are yeah, seriously. And, and what their goals are. Dude, dude, I got to say, man, I feel like this whole game that you're running right now mm -hmm. has like, it's, I feel like it's gone pear-shaped. I feel, I feel <laughs> like, like as a GM, you should be looking for a climactic resolution to the adventure so that you can essentially, essentially start over. Yeah. You can be like, okay, well, now we're going to do Strahd and we're going to do character creation the way... Oh, the yeah. way I want to do character mm -hmm. creation. And, like, and here's the expectations that you can have from the story, you know, and like... And then we're going to put an X card out because it's going to be a horror game. And mm -hmm. I like horror, you know. I mean, or you should just tell them, like, fuck, I feel like you guys really just want to play World of Darkness and then just, like, make them make vampire characters. Because right. they seem to be, I mean, I don't know. Do they really feel like they exist in, like, a, a virtual reality simulator without consequence? Do they really feel like that? It, it was very odd because they told me they wanted to do heroic role playing. And then they're like, let's kill these kids for <laughs> a sword. Like, let's kill <laughs> these kids to a monster for a magic sword. That's not very heroic. And I was like, I, what I, heroes? <laughs> so I'm, oh. I'm super confused about the direction. And that's why I think we need to, they all need to sit down as, as a group and figure out what, what are we interested in doing? Cause if they want to murder hobo, that's fine. We can murder hobo, but that's like a different campaign than yeah. what I'm yeah. presenting. Just get like an OSR game and mm -hmm. like and like Conan slash Elric it up and just be like, oh, oh yeah, that'd be right. cool. Yeah, yeah. No, so that's that's, that's where we're at. Where they they need to sit down and decide because what they told me they wanted and then what we're doing 
what happened were two different because you know i expect them to just be like no foul villain and just go about their way right okay. they didn't have to fight it no yeah question mm-hmm. like why the the nothic wants to be in the pit so the nothic according to the story has an agreement with the wizard who's running the gang right so he doesn't want to be in the pit. He can just leave whenever he wants. Oh, because I made it clear that leaving. he's like he was crawling along the walls like Spider-Man. Okay, so he's capable of leaving, and they had gotten it to agree to let them pass without it assaulting them because it it doesn't want to have to fight them unless it needs to. Right? It's got a corpse. It's happy. It's got food. So the only thing that it wants is you know it wanted some gems to let them pass so they gave it a couple gems and it was like fine you can be about your way but then they're like when he was putting the gems away that's when they saw the sword so uh this and is that's like, when they were like we want that sword they got this, is like, this is like this classic thing that you see in dungeons and dragons where it's like people have not thought through they haven't they haven't reached the level of like role playing the world in a certain way where they're like i am in an ecology and this ecology has a certain function and like and actions have consequences actions have consequences this this thing the nothic is not just like a construct it like it has drives Mm. it has needs it has malignant evil entity Right. Yeah, and, 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 and within that context, its drives and wants are are informed by the fact that it's a malignant evil entity. It's chaotic mm-hmm. evil. It's like relentlessly selfish, mm-hmm. and it doesn't care about destruction, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Ugh, whatever, never yeah, mind. So that <laughs> was- you, you and Zemo will no doubt talk about this. I was, oh, we, we will. <laughs> I was listening to your, like, to you guys talking about, like, alignment shit. I, hey, Zemo, what do you think of this? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we will definitely discuss it at some point, because I'm very interested in his take on it. He's run more Dungeons and Dragons than I have at this point, so yeah, man. it will be fascinating to hear what he, what you know, his thoughts on what he would have done or how he would have approached it. I was digging his takes. I'm not saying I agree with him 100, percent but mm-hmm. I dig his takes and I dig uh, that he has such a body of experience and 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 real life, mm-hmm. a real life experience, and that he's synthesizing those things, yeah. which is what makes a great GM. It and is it's like and like some people never get to that get to that point where they're like, oh, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to synthesize my real life experiences into storytelling. Mm-hmm. You get so many people who are like, in this module, it says, and that's, and that's, they never get any right, farther Right, and that's that. the thing is you have to give yourself freedom to run in that module. Like, if I was just running that module straight, that scenario or that scene probably never would have happened. <laughs> <laughs> so you many gotta, lulls. You got to do what you were going to do. And so then many I lulls. played in low fantasy gaming session two. Oh, yeah. Where we went and rescued the other missing child, the third missing child, um, run by William at the Game Club, and that was a lot of fun. I had a good time with that. Uh, you know, my character is doing what he does. Um, mm-hmm. Killing things with chainswords? <laughs> well, so no, he, he, can't, he can't hit in combat. Like, he does everything else really, really great, except for combat. I, I have only hit one thing so far. And I did it the minimum amount of damage possible with my roll. So he's... So, sounds like that's not your forte, my friend. No, it's not. But outside of combat, I'm essentially uh, an unstoppable force to be reckoned with. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is a, he is an interesting character study. Good old good old Oga von Hammerschmidt. Well, people <laughs> seem to really like that, and they yeah. seem to really respond to that. I, I, I feel like you've definitely kind of like like locked on to something Mm -hmm. in your portrayal of that character because the people who are involved in that game are like really super stoked, you know? Yeah, he's a lot of fun. It's just, um, 
yeah, I don't know. At some point, like there's a comeuppance and a reckoning coming for him. So we'll see how that all pans out. Oh, you know how these de- these fucking role playing comeuppances tend to go. <laughs> they tend <laughs> to not to happen on on the wrong person. Yeah, exactly. If I had a fucking nickel for every comeuppance I I tried to dish out to old uh, Jared Cocaine himself the real jerry cocaine (laughs) that ended up like backfiring in my face or taking out somebody else somebody who was tangentially like like, as the player of the character i feel like he's got to come up and it's coming but it's weird it's like enemies for whatever reason the enemies were not really attacking him he was getting treated (laughs) with kid gloves in a way it was kind of like forever burdened by your own conscience adam i was like he he seems like he should just be getting like like being as loud and bombastic as he is that he should be drawing some some negative attention but yeah that was uh that was that session i had a lot of fun with it great great i guess on to the next part which is what did we buy huh what did we buy oh what shit did we buy guys do you buy anything heather i didn't buy anything you didn't buy anything (laughs) heather are you telling me that your pursuit of role-playing has not led you down the path of like relentless consumerism it never will i don't think i don't really buy things that often i buy clothes Mm. And I buy things for the dogs, but I don't buy like, I buy books, I guess. I don't know. I don't think it'll be that way. Heather, Heather's, Heather's not like me. She no. doesn't, she doesn't fritter, fritter away her pennies on, on trifles. No, I hoard it like a dragon. What did you buy? Brian? Oh God, I frittered away on trifles. Here, see that pile <laughs> of books over there? Like uh, that's, that's the latest haul. Hand that oh, over okay. to me and I'll just, and I'll just kind of, right. no, not the, there, there's, there's a vampire book in there, but that's not part oh, of it. Oh, okay. It's everything to else. worry about the one on the bottom yeah all right. all right so here's that let's see i uh on drive through rpg this is actually part of the uh last episode we didn't really have time now for two it. two vampire books in this household i yeah. know right so <laughs> so uh the void has a number of supplements available and they're not all um available in print so i went through and i got the ones that are available in print because i don't collect pdfs i don't give a shit about that all right so there's this one here it's called pandora's paths one it's ambitiously titled pandora's paths one i'll also note that every single book in this line has a copyright of 2012 i don't think there's been much since 2012 so saying don't hold my breath for pandora's paths two i'm i suspect that pandora's paths two it has a uh uh tbd deadline on it is that a um, planet pandora's is like a pandora planet or something or like a little moon yeah maybe <laughs> wow that's a really actually insightful question <laughs> that uh i don't really know i mean look okay so this is a this is a a very slim volume that has like some pre-generated adventures for your void game in it i i buy these things even if i don't intend to run them just because you just never know what you can pluck from it little uh, set pieces or it's like world stuff yeah and like i bought all the c-tech books even though i didn't really like the rules for that game but there was just a lot of little world stuff you could cherry pick out of it yeah yeah so i got that i got this one it's called secrets of the void and it kind of um it kind of gives you some expanded backgrounds on some various little uh uh npc organizations some of the monsters there's some little plot hooks in it it's not bad it's uh, I, I recommend it. I recommend this one. Uh, I get there's one that's called Horrors of the Void One Body Horror, and that's kind of cool. It's got like a little. It's got some essays in the front about not really essays, but like some some sort of thoughts on body horror, and then a number of. It's really more of a monster manual. It's got mostly monsters in it that are, have a sort of body horror-ish take and that were obviously illustrated by the person who did the illustrations for C Tech. It's just 
it's yeah, very those illustrations very are awesome and they are yeah they're awesome they're very very good um so it has a decidedly kind of trad game kind of feel to it where you're like oh here's six pages talking about monsters and then here's 20 pages of their stats That's um cool. That that is another point that I'll make about these 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 POD void books supplements. When I um bought them, usually what kills me about drive through RPG is the shipping. I'm always like, oh god, look at how fucking heinous that shipping <laughs> yep. is. So I I put literally every void book in 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 uh, print form into a cart, and then I was like, well, what's the shipping? It was like three bucks, and I was like, why? That's so cheap. That's weird. And then it turns out because these books are like no pages. I mean, mm. I sort of got, I think Horrorism 1 has more pages than most of these. They're <laughs> in, I, I can't overstate how slim they are. Some of these like that are like little $10 manuals are like 26 pages long. So they're very, they're very short. Um, the, another one was Horrors of the Void Zero. And it just says Expanded Monsters. The, the same uh, cover? It has the same cover art. Okay. I was Co- gonna cover- say, did you get to it the same one? Or? Cover art recycled. Um, <clears throat> it's great cover art. Like the oh, covers yeah. are very yeah. compelling. It's cool. I, I they have these signature characters that kind of appear through the fiction. I don't really read it, but I see I see the names mm-hmm. regurgitating. Dude, I don't, dude. Heather's giving me this look like you didn't read the fiction, <laughs> and it's just like we hardly ever do. Yeah, uh, Heather. What? <laughs> Role playing book fiction. Yeah. Is generally speaking the worst well step your game up role-playing writers it's not that hard to make good I, fiction. i'm, I'm sorry i don't want to slag everybody off here but some of this shit has been bad so i usually just skip it because i'm gonna write my own fiction anyway anyway so um <laughs> this one's the little monster manual the core book only comes with i think like three monsters that you might want to face and because this because the void as a game is kind of like halfway in between an investigative horror game and sort of like an 1980s action sci-fi game there's this kind of feeling to the way that it's laid out where it's neither dungeons and dragons which is about killing all the time nor is it a like a cthulhu game which is about investigating all the time it's somewhere weirdly in the middle which is like the strangest thing it's like we're going to investigate this thing and, and then, then we're going to kill it, gonna kill it. Mm. <laughs> that happens so, <laughs> in video games all the time yeah mm, well Very i mean video game-y thing. the guys yeah. the guys who make the void wildfire they um are heavily like they're the t- some of the top brass at Riot Games, hmm. and so you definitely get that feeling when you're reading these Void books. You're like, these yeah, were written by video too. game guys. <laughs> they, do board, they do board games too. There's a lot of those that they do. Okay, in the in the uh, sample adventure that is in the Void core book, I was reading it, and there was literally a point where I was like. I practically could hear that little clop clop sound of your character walking around in a, in a video game. Or yeah, like when you're walking <laughs> around the area where you're supposed to like encounter NPCs. Oh, I was yeah. like, I was like, the way that it was written was just so video gamey. It was just like, you can walk over here and look at this, or you can walk over here and look at this other thing. And I'm like, okay, that's not very role play, but I understand where you're coming. Press from. X to pay respects. <laughs> anyway, so it's uh, you know, these these void manuals, I. I recommend them with the asterisks that I recommend the void with because I, as like I said, I am having a lot of fun with the game. I do love it quite a bit. You are going to have to put a lot of your own work into it. And it is a mixed bag of like trad gaming and kind of newer ideas. Um, then from Lulu, it's so funny. 
like literally last time we were playing, we did an episode. I think I was bitching about like, why are there so many fucking OSR games? Wow, who needs so fucking many of them? And like, Brendan li- does. And That's like, who. does. And like, <laughs> you walked out the door after we were done, and I just got back on my computer and I ordered three OSR games Add from Lulu. Click, click, click. Yeah. Also recommended. Why not? Also recommended. Why not? <laughs> Perfect. So no, seriously, that's what happened. So, um, unlike the, this stuff from Drive Through, this Lulu stuff is so great. I got three books. They're all really thick. They have this really pulpy feel. The quality of the paper is not great, but when you're holding these manuals, it just reminds you of the '90s because they're all like the eight and a half by eleven manuals with the kind of floppy paper and these kind of glossy covers. I just fucking love them. I mean, I just love the in just I just love holding them in my hand and flipping through the pages. So I got low fantasy gaming, which oh, is the it says low fantasy gaming. I thought it said low fat gaming. No, it says low, low fantasy, fantasy gaming. gaming. <laughs> it's by Stephen J. Grodzicki. This is the one that William is running at Game Club, and after seeing him start to run it, I just had to have it. Uh, it's a huge book, but it it literally has everything you need to play in it. It's got a billion tables. It's got a billion monsters. It's got, a, I mean, it's got a ton of spells. It's, it's fucking rad. It's, it's, it's great. So I'm stoked to take a look at that. <clears throat> I got, uh, cri- oh, this was one of those recommended. I got Crimson Blades second edition, which is like, had been on my radar for a while. It was an OSR game I want to pick up, but then I was like, well, here I am. I'm filling up a Lulu card. I might as well it's get very it. very Elric-y looking. It's very Elric-y looking, but when you get inside of it, you can see that it's kind of informed by, um, it's informed by Conan just as much as it's informed by Elric, which it, to me is a natural synthesis. I was talking to Ken St. Andre about yeah, this. Yeah, like two sides of the same coin. Yeah. And, they're, and, they're just on opposite journeys. Yeah, exactly. They're opposite journeys. They're off, opposite storytelling styles. And on some level, they live in worlds that are very contradictory to one another. However, I love combining them because it's like <laughs> that thing that we were just saying earlier. Two things that feel like they shouldn't go together go together great. Sometimes. Yeah, chocolate and peanut butter. Genius. Exactly. It's pineapple and jalapeno on the same pizza. That doesn't work. No, it does. <laughs> no. It's no, it's fucking brilliant. Anyway, so this is a cool looking game. It's got a lot of stuff in it. Um, there's a uh, one of the classes is a dendrolisi, which is like an ancient elfin race, generally tall and slim with long, sharp faces, and they're kind of assholes. And I'm like, no bananas. Of course I want to play that. Yeah. That's what I want to be. You want to be the, the sharp-faced asshole? Yeah, basically. Uh, so then I also got Basic Fantasy 3rd Edition because I just, you know, I, I kind of I, I kinda at this point am wishing I had sprung for the 1st um, Edition because that's the same system that, you know, old Stormbringer uses but doesn't have all the Stormbringer stuff in it. It's just system. And this is the 3rd Edition and they kind of like OSR, they didn't OSR it a little bit. They kind of OGL'd it a little bit. So it's like, it's not percentile. It's like, uh, it's D20. However, I will say this is a huge fat book for five bucks. This whole book is five dollars. This giant book is five bucks. That's cheap. I know. And there is literally everything you need to do to run the game in it. Everything like it's mostly monster manual. Like th- seriously, two thirds of the book is monster manual, and everything is in here. Um, so in terms of like, in terms of just like utility for like, oh, here I bought a fucking fantasy game, and it literally has everything in one. Boom, five bucks. I was expecting this thing to be digest size, and it's um, it's full sized. So that's really cool. Same anyway, size as the other two. That's what I yeah. bought. Nice. That's what I bought, guys. Cool. 
I didn't buy anything, but I had some Kickstarters to deliver. Oh, oh that's in. exciting. So I got Cavaliers of Mars by Rose Bailey. Oh, wow. At last, after years. That Has, came it's in. It's been years. It's, not, it's been a while. <clears throat> well, uh, the, the development on that game has been tortured. So long. Yeah. yeah. So it's it came in. Uh, yeah, I, I just flipped through it. The character sheet's very odd to me. It doesn't have like dots or skills or anything listed on it. So I have to get into that one to see what I think of it. I'm not too sure about it. I kind of just backed it because I was like, oh, yeah, like, and it's an Agro Burroughs, like John Carter of Mars thing. Like, I can right. oh, nice. do all kinds of cool stuff with that. And then I got it, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. <laughs> um, and then I got Tiny Wastelands by Alan Barr. So that came in. Oh, I saw that, that delivered. That is that's pretty fucking cool. Got that cool. yesterday. <laughs> it's cool. I got the dice. I got the screen. I got the oh, cool. soft cover core book. So uh, looking forward to digging into that one. I've read through the... PDF of the rules already. Um, so uh, didn't really get into that. It's kind of like took it out and looked at it, flipped through it, saw that I didn't really see too much of change to, for the edition I had seen earlier. So at some point I'll probably run that. It looks really cool. I like Tiny Dungeon um, and I like the first version of I read that I read. So I imagine that I will probably like this one as well. I saw that uh, Tiny Wasteland delivered, and first of all, it looks great. The, mm-hmm. the outside of it looks great. And yeah, the cover's really cool. The cover's cool. The presentation is cool. Mm-hmm. The dice. Did you get the dice? I did get the dice. With the mohawks? Yeah, the little skull guys with the mohawks. I got cool. those, and I got the other dice. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, they look really great. I feel like such a fucking ass for not backing it. I just looked at that, and I was like, that's so fucking cool. Why did I not back that? I just, I don't know what the fuck my problem was that week. I don't know. I I was on one. Anyway, um, <laughs> one of the things I was doing for my for game club, I, I didn't feel like, I, I felt like when we, earlier I was like, well, I don't know how we're doing with time. People don't want to hear me talk so much. But I was, uh, I prepped a tiny dungeon game in case, in case we needed a tiny dungeon game. Mm-hmm. And um, that was so easy. It was so easy and so fun. To just prep a tiny dungeon game? I mean, seriously, I... Uh, it's the easiest game system. It's like, at most, three dice. 3d6. Yep. That's all you need to play. And uh, I, I... I like that. I was flipping through the tiny dungeon book, and it has all these different kind of campaign starters in the back. And I was kind of taking a look at them real quick, and I was like, well, let's see what one I could use to be, like, very minimal. And one of them really struck me as being cool, but I didn't... I really didn't like the entirety of it. I liked about like 50% of the concept, but I'd leave the other 50%. I was like, shit, I'll just run it the way I think it should be run. And so I took seriously like a page of notes and then I um, made five pre-gen characters and doing all of that work took me about an hour. And um, I was ready to rock. And I was just like, and I was like, shit, this is going to be actually pretty cool. I didn't end up needing it when we got there because Richard wanted to run and William wanted to run. Uh, but now I've got I've got a fucking tiny dungeon campaign like ready to go in my in my D- DMing box it's that good. I could I can just boom at any moment somebody's like hey we don't have a DM I can just like oh let's play this fucking tiny dungeon game it's like ready to go it's crazy so cool so cool so cool yeah it's good stuff I had a I had a vampire of the dark ages one but I don't know we'll see we'll see if that ever goes off or not that's your venture chronicle right yeah that's an odd book having read through it there's a lot of work you're gonna have to put into it to make it any sort of thing that can be run. Hmm. It's what they want to call like a legacy game where it's like you play a vampire and then you play their child and you play their child and through like different eras. 
they only give you like three eras and then they're just kind of like, well, here's like a milk toasty kind of half developed setting for you to use. And you're looking at it going, man, I'm going to have to put so much work into like all of this and having it have any kind of internal consistency that it's almost not useful. Like the big part, I guess, of it that's useful is like the front 10 pages where they talk about like what legacy chronicles are and the design of them and how they work. And then the actual chronicle that they give you is just kind of like, uh, it's just kind of chuck it because you're probably not going to use it. Mm -hmm. I thought that that game was a real, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like, it was a real, it was kind of like a come on, Mm -hmm. you know, when they like, well, I saw it in the store. I remember when it was brand new. And they it said the Venture Chronicle on the right. front, and it has the. It says they tried to make it look like Giovanni Chronicles. It looked like it's Giovanni they did the Chronicles instead of the red. Yeah, and I was like, oh shit, because that was a four book arc mm-hmm. that had a very well thought out plot line that was tied directly into the meta plot of the game. So I grabbed it immediately. Mm-hmm. I get it home, and it turns out, oh no, this is actually some bullshit that we just kind of fucking threw together. Right, gotcha. Gotcha, pal. Sucker. Yeah. I was like, oh. Same experience. It was one of those things where I was like, oh, I've always wanted to run this. Like, I should dig into it. And then I got into it. And I'm going, oh, man, there is, like, just large swaths of this that are not there. Yeah. I mean, even buying it, because I could totally see them being like, oh, well, it's not really meant to be, like, a fully fleshed out chronicle like Giovanni was. Then it's why really is it more called like, Chronicles? So it's like, it's like an idea generator, dude. And I'm, I'd be like... Uh, these ideas suck. <laughs> you well, know? The, the issue that I had with it was they named it the Ventru Chronicle where they had the Giovanni Chronicle. You know what well, I mean? Was it's the, like, I, if there's an expectation you're setting, you're knowingly yeah. leading people on. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Uh, and then I think that all, it also kind of was packaged in such a way that they might, there might be other ones, mm-hmm. like other books. Then they never did it. They never, they never did anything? They never did no, additional. Never did anything. bullshit. Yeah. Um, I mean, cool, whatever. That, that's that's water on the bridge, I guess. Yeah. Um, How long ago did they make that? <laughs> oh, ages ago. Like, <laughs> like 20 years. No, yeah. okay, 20 is a little long, but like more than 10. Wow. Yeah, it's been it like, was early aughts. Yeah. And now that's yeah. a whole new world of darkness, right? Yeah. It's all... And so it's different. Well, yeah. yeah, but I mean, this was always designed to be like Dark Ages, then Victorian, then more modern. It wasn't modern nights, but it was mm-hmm. more modern. I want to say like the last one was set in like the fifties or something. I can't remember. They had that weird thing. They, they did this something similar with like uh, the Giovanni Chronicles where like the last, the, the last book is like ends the, 20s. In, like, the 19, yeah, like yeah. the 1920s, 1950s kind of thing. And you're just like, why? Like you guys seriously didn't want to just bring it up to the fucking, I don't know. Having done Transylvania Chronicles, just be glad they didn't bring it to the modern age because in Transylvania Chronicles, you're like on a train with, Abilismard, like trying to stop him from launching nukes at the, you're just going like, this is so dumb. Why is this book so awful? Oh, white wolf. Come on. Hey, I've got a question. Sure. Should I purchase the source books for my, um, Requiem things I want to use? What are they called? The, like the, the covenant books. Yeah, the covenants. That's you've, right. been, you've been kind of flirting with buying the covenant books. Yeah. What I will say is the covenant books, on the whole, are not great. <laughs> There's a couple of them that are good. Yeah. The clan books are much better. They are really good. I've clan read books those. are harder to get. 
Oh no, they're yeah, print on demand I ha- now. I have them all. But, I mean, she, it's not like she, it's not like you can't get access to the clan books. Right. Here, here's the, here's the my covenant books are not great. I, I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Here's my question: What do you want to get out of them? I just like to study a lot because I'm like a nerd. I like to study and make notes about things I'm going to do. And I just feel like I should make more. I should study more about the covenants. But like, I tried to look online for the specific one I wanted to do for the Lancia Sanctum, and they had like two sentences, and that was that it. That one's not very good, as I recall. Then I'll just do my own thing, I guess. Uh, yeah, I would do your own thing. The ones that I recall getting something out of were this crone one, Circle of the Crone and the Ordo Dracul. I recall not liking Lankia Sanctum. I recall not liking the Invictus, and then the other one, the Carthians, was Carthians. the worst of the lot. Oh, that book was execrable. I really feel like the worst one is the Lankia Sanctum book because that was the first one that they wrote. And I don't think they really knew what they were doing, mm-hmm. and it just it uh, it's not it's, it's not very it's, well written. It's bad. <laughs> it's not good. I thought the Carthians one was worse. It just had no direction. Like, cause you're going, what are the Carthians? Like, it just tells you, oh, they're like the mismatch guys who don't fit. They're misfits. And then you read it and they're just like, yeah, we don't really know what to tell you about these guys. They're like just a catch all for anyone who's not in the Invictus. That's stupid. Going, okay. There was some serious problems with the way that they developed that game early on. Um, and the Covenant books didn't do anything to fix it. Uh, yeah. Secrets of the Covenants is not worth getting either. That didn't help it. If can we anything, borrow it? Made it, made it worse. I'd yes, like, you I'd can like to take a it. look at it. You can certainly borrow it. It's not. It doesn't have a lot to recommend for it. The best part of it are probably like the supplemental rules part, and everything else is just kind of like forgettable. You see, that's the thing is that okay. So what you're saying is is you want to read it for study? Yeah. Like, oh, I want to learn more. Yeah, yeah. I want to learn more, just so I can do it like correctly. And that's and that was a great way to access Vampire the Masquerade. Mm-hmm. Vampire the Masquerade had this like a, a hard storyline and it had signature characters and had specific things that were happening in specific locations so you could put a bunch of study into it to gain like quote unquote mastery of the concept. However, Requiem was written with like a completely the like, opposite idea. It's a toolbox. So what you're not going to get mastery. The best that you're going to get are additional tools. Okay. Um, which is not bad. Yeah, it's fine. But like no one no one is going to sit there and go, that's not how the Lankia Sanctum would act. Like, right. no one's going to tut-tut you like that because, Dead. honestly, most people don't have any experience with Requiem. <laughs> no, <laughs> and, no one played it. Yeah, Whoops. no one played it. And, Uh-oh. Uh, and on top of it, like, the people who did or who read it understood that it's it's its own thing and it's not, like, a meta-plot-driven game. Okay, good. I'll just do what I feel like doing with it then. I mean, that's really what Requiem wants you to do with it is do with it what you want to do with it and the covenant books were kind of their ham-fisted attempt to give you some i guess more pre-packaged ideas mm-hmm. that you might be able to like click drag into your game i don't think they succeeded in that yeah they're uh, kind of a mess yeah the, yeah the the options that they give you were not particularly appetizing to to drag and drop uh and then on top of that, as a, as a idea farm, mm-hmm. I don't think that their ideas were what you would call like earth shattering or um, the, the 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 tone in which the books were written was 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 sort of particularly kind of antiseptic, and, yeah, and and not like conducive to the imaginative kind of fire that comes from world building. The You'll get more is. out of the clan books. If you read those, those have better little like seeds and whatnot. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I read some of those. I, I did, they're really I, good. I just really feel like 
Because you're getting so much out of that Requiem Core book. I don't know why, but I just, I just like, it really, it, it like speaks to me, I guess. I don't know why. I feel like we might just pick up a copy of the Lankia Sanctum book because it's, it's dirt cheap. I mean, it's, and maybe it'll speak to you. Now, I will agree with Adam that the Circle of the Crone book and the Oro Dry Cool book are actually worth purchasing. They're mm-hmm. good. They're good material. Right. Um, but the Lankia Sanctum book was just like, was just so fucking banal. It was like reading a 300 page, like, you know, toaster oven manual. If you or don't want to buy it, you can borrow it. I still have all those books. I don't think it'll help really. Cause the one, what I want to do with it is like a good little, like offset of the Lankia Sanctum that like no one really uses at all. I went to like a message board and asked what they would do. And people were like, Oh, just make them like crazy hillbillies that like come in the truck and just like kill everybody with pitchforks. And I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not going to make it like, so like cartoonish. You know, I actually did that with a, with a, with a, I think a, a oh, group of, did you? I think you yeah. could do so, like a so thing thanks. like out of, you know, burning covers is you could do like a church thing, like out of far cry five. That's what I was thinking to do. It's that that church, that, that cult church kind of thing with them. Yeah. That's what what I was going to do. That's why I was like, you can just, he's watching me play play far cry (laughs) five. Are you speaking of video games on this podcast? <laughs> on a role-playing game podcast? <laughs> no. All right. All right. Now that we've descended into complete, now that we're doing voices and shit, um, I feel like this has been a, you know, I feel like we're a good, good spot. I think Is it's there, been this, pretty great, yeah. yeah. Oh, you know what? I did one of the, I had one point I wanted to cover before we go, and it's this. We usually do a um, giveaway for the 15th of the month, and uh, we didn't do a giveaway this month. And the question, the question on your mind might be, why? Brendan, why? I am eagerly waiting to win a book that I will then not claim. <laughs> I'm, I just can't wait to compete in the fires of Full Metal RPG for a book that I'll then go like, meh, and I'll let it sit on a shelf and gather dust. All right, cool. We actually have one for you, and I was supposed to do the contest for it, and then some family shit came up, and I wasn't able to, you know, I, I was distracted from my duties as a dispenser of games to the world. So what we're going to do is we're going to have the contest for our our shows coming out on the 31st. So it will be Halloween. It'll be the Halloween edition of the of the of the podcast. Yeah. And you will get a book. Sweet. Heather, wow. Heather, what book are they going to get? Is it Vampire V5? That's right, guys. Game Depot has given us a copy of Vampire the Masquerade edition. Brand new in shrink. PDF included. PDF included, guys. PDF included, guys. Come on. Claim it. Who, who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want to get the PDF of the book they just bought that's in shrink wrap <laughs> and they can't even look at the pictures to make them think, oh, I'd want to I'd want to own this game. They'd think, who the in all the wisdom of, of White Wolf, they were like, guys, let's get an art department. Let's spend thousands of dollars designing a beautifully aesthetic interior. Then we're going to put a shrink wrap on it so you can't look at it in the store and think <laughs> I want to buy it. It's the tease, man. Oh. They're like, you got to take it home if you want to unwrap it and get your hands on it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, you think. I mean, look, I, my understanding from talking to my friends in the retail world, mm-hmm. Patty at Game Depot, <laughs> is that sales are up. Sales of Vampire the Masquerade are going up. Cool. So there's a possibility, guys, that, that, sort of, that it's not the big kind of 
dropped at number one billboard smash hit that I think White Wolf was looking for, but perhaps it's more of a slow burn, working its way up the charts. Word of mouth, word of mouth marketing, guys, is better than a million bucks spent on advertising. I mean, I don't know that, that necessarily everybody in Hollywood would say that would agree with my idea here. I am still a big fan of word of mouth marketing. Now, we have a copy of this amazing book. It is for free to one of our listeners. We're giving it away. Not yet. Watch the <laughs> Facebook. Watch the Instagram. Get to our Facebook. That's at uh, Full Metal RPG on Facebook. We're at Full Metal RPG on Instagram. You can find us on Patreon. If you are a $5 pledging member of our Patreon, you get entered into every single giveaway that we do automatically. Let me tell you, we've given away so many books to our patrons just because those guys are on every single giveaway that we do. Am I right, Adam? It's true. Uh, they have benefited already. Yeah, well, some of them. Yeah, and that book is being spo- <laughs> is is being sponsored by uh, Game Depot in Tempe, Arizona. Dave and Patty, uh, they know our love of horror. They know our love of vampire. They wanted to make sure that we had a vampire book to give away in October, and now we're going to give it away. That's so sweet. On Halloween. So, guys, be watching. Go to Full Metal RPG on Facebook. Make sure you've liked it. Make sure you've liked us on Instagram. Make sure you're following us on Instagram. If you need to get a hold of me, it's fullmetalrpgofficial at gmail.com. Write me there, and I will address your issues with the show or what have you. Um, <clears throat> also, check out fullmetalrpg.com for our old reviews and a catalog of our episodes. Until next time, guys. It's been fun. It has. Yeah, super fun. Super fun. All right, guys. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. Have a good night. 